How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many questions as I can. And, of course, now we have an even better way of connecting, and that is go to our webpage at letstalktorah.net. Let's talktorah.net. That's our webpage. You can go to the donate button, hit the donate button, help us with the show, help us pay for this wonderful studio, help us get the show out there to even more people. And again, as always, it is greatly, greatly appreciated. What a day. Like, have you been outside? So I'm driving. I don't pay that much attention to the news. So I'm driving my son somewhere in the morning, and he says, yeah, you know, does it make sense that the fog is, is so low? I said, well, you know, the sun is out, but what, it's maybe 9 o'clock in the morning or 8.30. It'll probably burn off. Little did I realize that is the smoke that made it all the way from Canada. Okay, we're in Detroit, so Canada's not far, but the place where the, where the fires is very far. And it is unbelievable. I mean, the clouds are just, there's a haze. There's a, I just asked, uh, um, I just asked somebody on the way in, Buzz, asked him on the way in. And he says, yeah, the smoke is bothering him. It is, it is really amazing. And hopefully, my wife has to fly to New York tomorrow, and flights are getting canceled all over the place. Uh, we have, uh, I was supposed to speak last night. First I was the MC, then it was one of the speakers, then it was the MC, and then we got a message that the it's called Shevabrachis was canceled because the Chas and Kala, the bride and groom, uh, couldn't make it. They they couldn't get on their plane. They drove, but not to be on time for any parties last night. And then uh, our friend's making a bar mitzvah tonight, and his kids are trying to get in, and one of them, his flight's been canceled. So I don't know. It's it it is amazing. Just a little bit of smoke. That little bit of smoke, it is unbelievable what that little bit of smoke can do. But last week, I did make it back and forth to camp. Well, not to camp, but to get my daughter into New Jersey. So she's off to camp, a little homesick, relax. You know, it's summer. And summer is a great time to relax. Unless you're Moses. And Moses, when the Torah portion of Chukas, he is not getting any relaxation, even though uh, a big chunk of the Torah portion is at the end of the 40 years. There's like a, there's a, like a no man's land where we go from running away from Mount Sinai, and then we send the spies, and then we're punished. We're going to be in the desert for 40 years. And then you get uh, last week with Korach, and then there's like nothing happening till we get 
close to the land of Israel. The 40 years are over, and it's time to move forward. But the three leaders, we'll call them, Moses, Aaron, and his, and his sister Miriam, it's time for them to die. And two will die in this week's Torah portion. So Miriam dies first, and when she dies, the water supply ends. It doesn't dry up. It ends. We talked, I think a couple weeks ago, we talked about that special well that was called the Be'er Miriam, that special stone that the water came pouring out and was the water supply for the entire Jewish nation, for millions of people. Wherever they traveled, it traveled with them. Uh, but now that she dies, it goes away. So first of all, the fact that it goes away um, told everybody that the well was there in the merit of Miriam. Now, there's three gifts in the desert. There is the well, the Be'er Miriam. That's in the merit of Miriam. There are the clouds to protect us from the elements and from outsiders. That is in the merit of Aaron. And then the manna, that bread from heaven, that's in the merit of Moses. But in the end, they all come back in the merit of Moses. So, no water. Okay, we're in the middle of the desert. And unfortunately, what do the Jewish people do when there's no water? They come fighting, complaining to Moses. What do you do? You brought us out here and there's no water. And what do you expect? And we're going to die. And it's not worth it. So... The first time, let's go back a little bit for those who don't remember, the first time Moses has to get the water, so God says, take your stick and some of the elders, take your stick and some of the elders, oh, this is a long cord over here, whoa, okay, take your stick and some of the elders, you're going to hit the rack, and that will be the water supply. But this time, now that the Jewish nation has seen this water supply, and they've had a lot more time to learn and get used to um, dealing with Moses and with God and how it works and the whole plan and what they're supposed to be doing. Now that the water supply is gone, this time God tells Moses, take your stick. But This time God tells Moses, talk to the rock. So no problem. So Moses goes with Aaron and now the whole congregation. And Moses was commanded, I don't want to say put on a show, but to a certain extent put on a show and talk to the rock, and the Jewish people will see they're going to get water. So Moses does talk to it, but it doesn't seem to work. And maybe something's the wrong word, rock. It's, it's debatable exactly what's going on. But in any case, Moses goes ahead and he hits the rock twice. First time a trickle comes out, the second time it comes pouring out. And God then gives a very fascinating um, statement to Moses. Because you and Aaron did not sanctify my name by the rock, you and Aaron will now die in the desert. That's the, uh, that's the message. Which a little bit we got we to gotta take apart, right? Like, like, hello, water is coming out of a rock. Right, enough water to supply millions of people with water every day, and it travels with them. Like it's unbelievable. So what didn't they do? So Rashi says that if they would have spoken to the rock, 
then the people could have learned a second lesson. And the lesson would be a rack. It doesn't get rewarded when it listens, doesn't get punished when it doesn't listen, and still, the rock listens when God says, when you talk to it, right? For sure, we people should listen when God talks. We shouldn't just listen when we're getting a patch, when we're being forced. We should learn to listen just when we're told. And that lesson was lost. That would, that would have been considered sanctifying God's name since Moses and Aaron, it seems they were in it together when they, even though only Moses actually hits the rack, but since they're in it together, so, um, <clears throat> where did that smoke's getting into my throat over here? Uh, it's a good thing I got my water. But in any case, so Moses and Aaron are in it together, so they're both going to be punished. Both Aaron and Moses are going to have to die, which in a way is a good thing for the Jewish people. We've talked about in the past if Moses were to enter the land of Israel, he would immediately build a temple. Anything that Moses builds can't be destroyed. We talked about this by the tabernacle. Moses builds the Mishkan, he builds the tabernacle. It was never destroyed. It's never destroyed. It's put away. It's somewhere, the, the beams are somewhere under the foundation of the temple. But anything that Moses builds has to be permanent. So when the temple is destroyed by God pouring his wrath, into sticks and stones, it protected us. But if Moses would have built the temple, then God wouldn't destroy it. If God's not going to destroy it, we're the ones that are going to suffer. So there's a benefit to what's going on over here. Just, uh, of course, Moses is not so happy with the situation. And interesting, Moses asked God that every time he mentions why he and Aaron are going to die, the Torah will remind us that Moses is dying because he hit the rack. And the reason is that since the whole generation was dying, and they were going to die but when they hit 60, if Moses and Aaron are going to die, people will equate the death of Moses and Aaron with all the people that died because of the spies. And that was like a rebellion against God. You don't believe in Israel. You're rebelling against God. You know. You don't want his Torah, you don't want his land. That's way worse. Okay, I hit the rack. It's bad. I didn't I didn't do what I was told, but not on the same level. So Moses asked that should keep getting repeated. Okay. So then so there's some traveling going on. We have to make some long detours because nations wouldn't let us take shortcuts. And now Aaron will die. So he, he's brought up to a, a mountain with his son, and as Moses will go up, Aaron will go up, and Aaron's son, Eliezer, is with him as well. Eliezer, I'm sorry, not Eliezer, Eliezer. And what happens is they take off Aaron's special priestly garments, and Moses dresses Eliezer with them. So Aaron sees that his son is taking over his position, is... It's a tremendous blessing when someone can see his son take over for them. Of course, the difficulty nowadays is uh, anybody who has a business, they sort of expect the son to take over, and the son may not want to take over. But we're not talking about a business over here. We're talking about a, a position, the, the highest level position 
in the Jewish people to be the high priest, that's not like uh, it's the family business, and I expect you to continue the family business. It's not family business. This is to become the high priest. That's a very tremendous honor and comfort, and Aaron merited to actually see that that's what was going on. Sometimes it happens. person passed away doesn't get to see who takes over. But in this case, um, Aaron gets to see who takes over. But Aaron dies, and as I told you before, so once Aaron dies, now the clouds disappear. Our protection from the elements, from warring nations, is now gone, and we're just out in the open. And again, by disappearing when Aaron dies, that's the sign that we got those clouds in the merit of, of Aaron. So now Amalek, those are the same Amalek that started up with us when we left Egypt and we went through the, the Red Sea. And they were the first ones to fight with us, and Joshua goes out and he fights with them. So they come again to fight. And interesting, they dress up. They wear Kanani clothes. I mean, I guess the best example would be that you have soldiers, and every country usually has a different kind of uniform. Almost you can identify whose army you're in. And they dressed up like they were in the Kanani army. Why? Because they wanted the Jewish people to pray, God, help us defeat these Canaanites, which is a very nice prayer, but they're not Canaanites. So if it's the wrong prayer, you're in trouble. So I don't know how they knew this, but somehow these Amalekite guys understood the power. The Jewish people have the power of prayer, but part of the power of prayer is you got to say the right prayer. You got to... You got to be clear if you get it wrong. So it doesn't, sometimes it may work, but it seems that if you say the wrong prayer, so God can't help you, right? Because if your prayer is necessary and you pray, oh God, heal Rachel. Well, that's nice, but it was Leah that was sick, not Rachel, right? So it's the wrong prayer. So interesting, it says what the people did was they pointed and they said, save us from this nation. Because there was confusion. And again, I'm not sure why it happened this way. But the language that they spoke was the Amalek language. The clothes they wore were the Kanani clothes. So you didn't know who they were. So instead of trying to be specific and get it wrong, they said, hand this nation over to us. And again, we uh, won that battle. And we're getting ready to head towards the land of Israel and we meet up with our cousins, um, Esau's descendants or Edom, and they don't let us through. We ask to go through and we'll we'll pay for food and we won't drink our water and it'll be good business as we go through and Edom comes out and says, not happening. So we had a long um, trip to circumnavigate that whole nation. Which made people quite nervous and quite unhappy. And they complained. It seems they also complained about the money again. And this time, this time God sends fiery snakes. Sends snakes, and these snakes start biting people. And when it bites them, it kills them. 
So, Abel goes back to Moses. We're sorry, we're sorry, we sinned, we made a mistake, we made a mistake, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. So, God tells Moses to make a copper snake. Now, there's a few play on words. Um, one is, he says, Nachash, Nachash means a snake, but Nachash is also the same word as Nachoshes, which is copper. So, he made a copper snake and put it on a pole. And whoever gets bit by the snake should look up at the copper snake, and the person will be healed. And that's why, and that's where doctors, you ever walk into a doctor's office, you see that snake um, picture, whatever, like wrapped around a pole, that is representative of Moses' copper snake. So simply stated, it's not like magic, the idea was, and we're going to talk about this now, the idea was you looked up at the snake and you realized everything is from God, and that's what healed you. As the person is fighting, thinking that he's in control, so we need we need to look up at this snake. It's going to have us looking up towards God. It's going to have us remember that God's in control and everything that happens is because of God, and that is what heals us, but not... There's some magic looking at this snake. It is interesting. This snake survived all the way till King Chizkiyo. King Chizkiyo destroyed the snake. Why? Because I don't want to say the snake had magic properties, but it seems that it had a healing property when people look at it. And Chizkiyo said that they're losing the whole point of the snake. They think the snake is doing the healing, and not God. Yes, God had Moses make it and, and gave this ability to heal, but people are, are losing sight of the whole process. So the Ereva destroys it. So if I would have spoken last night, um, I was going to say over the following um, thought. So it's coming from the Kutzka. The Kutzka was a famous rebbe, and he was very, very sharp play on words. So it says, when, when, when God is telling Moses to make the snake, he uses a different word for snake. He says, Asei l'cha saraf. Saraf means to burn or fire. So, but it translates in the Torah as make for yourself a snake. The Kutzka uses the play on words. He says, make for yourself a fire. You want to know how to serve God? You got to serve with a passion, with an emotion, with a desire, with a fire. In Yiddish, we say with a bren. It's got to be a fire. We don't, we're not robots. We're not serving God like, like robots. You give me the message and I march. Internally, I, I, I just must serve God. I must do what God wants. I'm excited. However, the Kutzka continues. The verse says, Visim oso alnes. You got to put it on a stick. So he says like this. Sometimes there's no fire. Sometimes there's no fire. You read all the time, or you hear people, oh, our marriage used to be so exciting, and there's no fire. Not exactly sure what that means. There's no fire, no passion. Um... Whatever, that's not what I'm looking to comment on now. But the question is, you're supposed to serve God with a passion. What if I don't have the passion? 
What if I don't have the passion? What am I supposed to do? So the Gatsuka says like this. It's true that emotion, we call it coming from the heart. So we'll use that phrase. It's true that internally you have to have a passion. That's all true. But first you have to look up. If you could recognize that everything that happens to you, nothing is your fault. I mean, you sin, so you're going to be punished for it. But it's, it's not you. This is the situation God put you in. Everything you have, everything you get is coming because of God. So once I recognize that God is giving me everything, I try to tell this to people. I'm not saying that life is, uh, as they say, a bunch of roses. And I'm not saying everything for everyone is perfect. But if, if you wake up in the morning, well, if you don't wake up in the morning, there's not much of a conversation. But when you wake up in the morning... There are so many things you have going for you. You're alive. Hopefully you're healthy. You can breathe. You could see. You could hear. You could eat. Maybe you have family. You have children. Maybe you have grandchildren. Maybe you, have, you can earn a living. There's, there's so many things. I sit back and I say, wow, God gave this to me. God gave that to me. I have this. I have that. You forget about all the other stuff. Of course we all have stuff. Uh, of course we're all, everybody in their situation. I don't have money for this. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. Um, I don't know how I'm going to take care of this. Uh, car is not working. Um, credit card. It, there's a lot of things that go wrong. A lot of things are not perfect. I was talking to myself, like, you know, very, very wealthy people like to say, oh, you know, my life is, you think it's so easy and so this to be wealthy. I'd much rather be like you. Oh, okay, great. How about we switch? You give me your job. I'll give you my job. I'll have your money. You can have my house and, and we can test it out. So, of course, that's ridiculous. We know that. But the point is that we all have a lot of good stuff going for us. And we have to look up at that pole and say, God is giving me a lot of good stuff. Okay, when I recognize God has given me a lot of good stuff, the fire can burn. I can be passionate. And you can do that at home as well. I'm not saying everybody's spouse is perfect. I'm not saying everybody's children are perfect. I'm sure it's far from there. But there's so much good that we do for each other. So if we could just focus on the good stuff, yeah, there's going to be stuff that's not as good, but trust me on this one. If, If you could start just saying, well, you know, Look at all this good stuff this person does for me. You'd be amazed. Just the attitude shift would just be fantastic. So I don't have a lot of time left, but it did lead to an interesting uh, lecture I was uh, listening to. There's things called a segula. I don't know if there's a good translation for segula. School is where people do things for good omens, for good to- for like a good time. Not to have a good time, but that. It should be an auspicious time. You've probably seen people wear those red strings around their wrist or, um, or people the, the Sabbath after Passover, they make a, like a challah with keys. There's, there's all kinds of what they call good luck charms. We don't believe in good luck charms. But the fact of the matter is people do these things called a segula. So the question is, where is it coming from? And I think it's all what we're saying. It's, it's like that snake. If, you, if the segula 
helps you recognize that everything is coming from God, then it serves its purpose. If you think the object itself has power, that's not good. That gets into issues with different uh, sins, perhaps, things that you're not allowed to think that way. But the, the overall, it, it, uh, on, on Rosh Hashanah, we eat an apple, I should have a sweet new year. The apple has no power to give me a sweet year. The honey that I dip the apple in has no power to give me a sweet new year. What I'm doing is I'm saying, God, I need a sweet new year. It's a message for me. I want a sweet new year. Okay. How are you going to get that sweet new year? And here comes the music. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to our wonderful, wonderful sponsored listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to our production team. We have Jenna with us in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I'm Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. Jesus.